Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest-cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk, text, and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The Pac-12 is dead as we know it. So this year's going to be your last chance to bet on the Pac-12 champion. Right now, Bet Online Sportsbook has USC as the favorite to win the conference at plus 200, Oregon coming in at plus 325, Washington plus 350, two-time defending champ Utah plus 500, Oregon State at plus 1000. If you head to Bet Online Sportsbook today and use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. That's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever you show choose. And we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be choosing. We come at you Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, occasionally Sundays for Wired Up here on the Take It Easy podcast. According to my count, it's a fantabulous Monday, August Seventh, I hope you all are having a wonderful, wonderful time, however and whenever you may be listening. We have got a big show planned for you today because since the last time we were on the air, which was Thursday of last week, uh, the entire Pac-12 just ended as a conference. Something that years ago we talked about as a possibility for one of the college football conferences, that it would go from being a a power five to a power four, and then from four, two would emerge as the most dominant conferences, and then those two would have separate leagues, and most of the teams would make it to the championships, and then eventually those leagues would merge, and then they would create a quote-unquote super league, as some people call it, but the league merger is going to create a wonderful 
power dynamic between college football's top and the teams who are somewhere in in the middle of the class of college football, there's going to be an interesting dynamic that emerges. But, the, hey, the Pac-12 is gone, people. It's just the Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore. As a concept, there is no more Pac-12, and the member schools took the money and ran. And the reason that the Pac-12 no longer exists is... A winding, convoluted story, and we're going to talk about some of that backstory here today on the show. I'm sure if you're a college football fan, you've heard a lot of the stories already about how Larry Scott, the former commissioner of the Pac-12, mismanaged the conference, locked them into a poor television deal between ESPN and Fox that led to them falling behind the pack in terms of television revenue, which... For those who don't know, over the last 15 years, college football has moved from, like most professional sports, their biggest income for the universities and the athletic departments comes from television instead of previously from gate revenue and ticket sales and merchandising sales and travel sales. All of that used to be the first income was the product that they actually put physically on the field and being at the physical location of these schools. It's what led to building the giant college football stadiums. It's what led to these athletic facilities emerging as a result of big spending in college sports and donors donating money to build these gigantic venues. Donor money and revenue from the actual games themselves used to be the two largest revenue streams from college football. Now the largest revenue stream for these athletic departments comes from payouts from the conferences as a result of television contracts. And as a result of that, the Pac-12 fell behind because they had a lackluster television deal. The Two biggest schools in the conference, in air quotes. I mean, USC and Oregon, by football standards, spent the most money as regards to conferences, but UCLA, in terms of size and scale of the university, was right up there, despite the fact UCLA has not been relevant in football since... Uh, we're really the 1990s, but I'll give them credit. They were okay like in 2011 and 2012 when Brett Hundley was there. But the two largest schools in terms of finances... At the Pac-12 level, USC and little brother UCLA, and I I put that in air quotes because, again, UCLA is really third because Oregon has that Nike money and Phil Knight, and they have the success that backs it up because they have all this money that's invested in the program. But two of the three biggest programs in the Pac-12, just if we're playing it safe, two of the three biggest programs in the Pac-12, USC and UCLA, decided that instead of Being the support system that would lead to a larger Pac-12 television contract, they ended up moving to the Big Ten. It was announced a year ago that that was going to happen, and they created that mega conference in college football. I believe it was literally July 1st of 2022 the announcement came in because we had a podcast on that day where I remember improvising in the the Big Ten mega conference with USC and UCLA and everyone making the commentary about how this was going to be the most ridiculous thing that had happened in college football because UCLA and USC were going to have to play Rutgers and travel across the country for college football. And look, I'm going to put it out right now as we get into how this, the minutia of how this happened and where the Pac-12 stands now and like kind of eulogizing what the Pac-12 was, even though the Pac-12, we joked for years, was a 
conference that was basically operating as a group of five school that called itself Power Five. Like the Pac-12's death is not one that is going to be mourned. It is going to be one that is reflected upon here on this show. And what we're also not going to do is complain about how this will ruin college football. I do not give a shit about how it will ruin college football because USC has to go play Rutgers. I'm tired of everyone who thinks they know the slightest bit of information about college football but doesn't pay close attention to the sport saying the same thing over and over about how UCLA has to go play Rutgers in Maryland. It's fine, okay? It's not the end of the world that they're traveling cross-country. What's a bigger problem is the fact that schools can just unilaterally switch conferences without having to confer with their labor because their labor has no representation and their labor is unpaid. I don't care about USC going to play Maryland or Rutgers, okay? We're just going to put that out there right now. It's fine. It's happening. Whatever. The other thing about the Pac-12 going down that we're not going to talk about today is what it means for the future of college football. There will be plenty of time to speculate what is going to become of the Big Ten Mega Conference or the Big 12 now with Arizona and Colorado and Utah and Arizona State. There will be plenty of time to speculate what the next steps are going to be, but today I just want to specifically focus in on the Pac-12 going down, and I don't want to complain about how this ruins college football, because I've heard everyone explain that. By the way, I don't even know if it ruins college football or not. People have been making the conversation one of the regional importance of college football and how it's going to impact interest in the sport despite the fact that the teams that are actually moving don't move the needle in terms of a national championship power all of that i don't know the answers to i don't have a good read on the direction that it's going so i don't want to talk about like what the future direction of college football is and i don't want to talk about how people think college football is being ruined because usc has to play in new york a couple of times every decade Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. So with that being said, let's talk about how we got to today with the Pac-12. And I already started talking a little bit about it earlier, but then I remembered that I forgot to set the stage for the podcast. But here's the basic dynamics of how we got here for the Pac-12. So the Pac-12 used to be the Pac-10. Most of you probably know this from years ago. The last time college football had a major realignment period was back in uh, like 2010, 2011, 2012. That was the last time there was a big old realignment in college football, just like there was a big old realignment in the 1990s when all these independents realized, hey, when we can form a conference, we can then negotiate a television contract as a conference, have larger payouts, more consistent scheduling, it's going to lower costs, increase revenues, we're going to make a bunch of money, and all of a sudden, a bunch of new conferences emerged. And by the way, every time that there is major realignment in college football, whether it's Realignment in the 1990s after the Supreme Court case that ruled the NCAA didn't have the rights to 
negotiate television contracts on behalf of the member schools. So after the Supreme Court ruled against the NCAA and regional television contracts back in 1980s and 1990s, you saw major realignment where all these schools that used to be independent were then going out and negotiating their own television contracts because the NCAA was deemed to be in breach of law by restricting the school's ability to negotiate their own television contracts. And so the 90s, there was a whole bunch of realignment in college football, and that led to the end of the SWAC as we know it. Because the SWAC used to be uh, all the Texas schools in Arkansas. And then what came out of that realignment was the a bunch of independent schools and some ACC schools moved to the Big East. And Big East schools, Big East became its own conference with uh, UConn and Miami and the North Carolina school, or sorry, not the North Carolina schools, uh, with West Virginia and with Rutgers and a whole bunch of other schools that formed the Big East and the Big East. I think Louisville was in the Big East originally. They they formed their own conference from a bunch of independents and negotiated a television contract. And all of the former SWAC schools formed a new conference called the Big 12, which Congratulations to Baylor for sneaking in the back door on that creation of the Big 12. But essentially, from 1990s realignment, you created the Big East Conference, you created the Big 12, expanded the SCC, expanded the Big 10 ever so slightly, and that was the first wave of college football realignment. Okay, we got it. Check that box right there. So that's what happened in the 1990s. The Pac-10 was, at the time, the Arizona... uh, Sorry, the Pac-8 expanded to the Pac-10. That was part of college football realignment back in the 1990s, was the creation of the Big East, the creation of the Big 12, and other schools like the SEC and Big 10 just got a little bit bigger. And the small move that the Pac-8 made to expand at the time was by bringing in Arizona and Arizona State. For those who are keeping track at home, the original Pac-8 was the two Washington schools, the two Oregon schools, the two Northern California schools, which are Cal and Stanford, and the two Southern California schools, which were USC and UCLA. And the Pac-8 expanded to become the Pac-10 because USC was threatening to leave the Pac-12, which would have blown up the entire conference at the time if they weren't allowed to bring in Arizona and Arizona State for their new television contract. And the reason that was the case was that at the time the Pac-8 had a rule in their conference that all gate revenue from college football games would be split evenly between the home and road teams. So like when USC played UCLA, 50% of the gate revenue at UCLA would go to USC, 50% of the gate revenue would go to UCLA. If Oregon was playing Oregon State and the game was played at Oregon State in Corvallis, Oregon and Oregon State would each get 50% of the ticket revenue and gate revenue and money spent on concessions for the football game. That was just a rule that the Pac-12 had, or the Pac-8 had, and the reason the Pac-8 had that deal in place was because... These smaller schools, which I'll put in air quotes, the smaller schools in terms of size and revenue 
outnumbered the quote unquote bigger schools at the time. And so they just simply outvoted USC and you could argue Washington at the time, but basically USC who had a hundred thousand seat stadium at the Coliseum. Meanwhile, the next largest stadium in the night in the 1990s in the pack eight was Washington with about 40,000. So it was USC playing in an NFL-sized stadium at the Coliseum, UCLA playing in the Rose Bowl but being unable to sell more than 40,000 tickets a game. USC basically got outvoted by all the other member schools saying that you had to get 50% of the revenue, which means every time or every other year, because they went every two years, which means every two years when the schools got to play at USC and at the Coliseum, which USC was selling out 100,000 seats for the Coliseum, no matter who they were playing, whether it was Washington or Oregon State or Cal or Stanford, they were selling out 100,000 seats at the Coliseum. USC, every time that the Pac-8 the Pac schools went to USC, they got a giant payout from getting 50% of USC's ticket revenue. And USC was pissed about this model, and they were ready to blow up the Pac-8 if they didn't allow Arizona and Arizona State into the conference because Arizona and Arizona State were surprisingly putting close to 80,000 people at their games. Arizona State specifically, they were playing at what was known as Sun Devil Stadium at the time. It was about a 60,000, 65,000 seat stadium that had the the Arizona Cardinals playing there at the time too. And for some reason, they were able to sell this stadium out every single time because there was this football craze in Arizona that no one really noticed because Arizona State and Arizona were not really big schools at the time. And they were playing in what was at the time the old WAC which is what you might call a group of five school today. So anyways, in the 1990s, USC gets Arizona and Arizona State voted into the conference to make the Pac-8, the Pac-10, and USC would have threatened to blow up the whole conference if not for their ability to negotiate that deal and to get Arizona and Arizona State into the conference. So 1990s, there's a whole bunch of realignment in college football because of te- of schools for schools being allowed to create their own television contracts and for the pack eight different reasons of gate revenue being the primary model of revenue for all of these schools and because of the deal they had set up where everyone got 50% of their USC game revenue USC ended up pressuring the other conferences to admit Arizona and Arizona State or they would blow up the conference, which, by the way, USC had the power to do because, again, USC was the only powerhouse in the Pac-8 conference. They were just running the table with the conference in the 1970s and later in the 2000s when it was Pete Carroll and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and Carson Palmer and everything that that dynasty at USC was. They were the only school that mattered in the Pac-8, other than, again, maybe Washington. Washington won the uh, co-national championship in 1991. They were consistently pretty good in the 1990s. So, again, Washington was respectable. They just weren't quite USC. It was USC had the most power in the conference, and then the other schools kind of just filtered in where they filtered in. And then you got the 2000s, which was just, you know, college football was relatively stable. They'd created the BCS championship, the the polls and all that bullshit that everyone used to hate. So 
for about 10, 15 years, college football, relatively stable. Uh, and then you have another round of conference realignment in 2010, 2011, and 2012, where the Big Ten is getting ready to negotiate a new television contract. And this round of realignment was based off of the creation of the regional television networks. The Big Ten Network began in 2007. The SEC Network would begin in 2015. And there the, the were already plans in place to bring that into fruition. The, um, the ACC Network would begin around 2018. And they were a little late to the party, but the ACC Network was going to be formed in partnership with ESPN. The regional television contract was where a giant source of revenue was coming in for the conferences and... That was what spurred the beginning of realignment because the Big Ten, who was ahead of the game on creating their own television network in partnership with Fox, they ended up making a regional television contract that ended up paying out about, at the time it was about $10 million extra per school, which by the way, in 2010 money was a big source of revenue from football related stuff. I mean, there were schools that still had uh, donors that were supplying money and they were selling the tickets at the gate, but all of a sudden television was becoming as important in terms of where the money was being made as the actual games themselves, the television networks and the national television contracts that were being negotiated with ESPN and Fox ended up being the uh, and for the SEC with CBS, but specifically with ESPN and Fox, those were where a whole bunch of money was coming in for the uh, where the money was coming in for the conferences. And so the Big Ten went out and they got because again they were ten schools at the time. They ended up getting Maryland from the ACC. They ended up getting Rutgers from the Big East. They ended up getting Nebraska from the Big Twelve at the time. And they ended up getting another school who is blanking me right now. I'm trying to remember who the last school the Big Ten added was. They got Rutgers, they added Maryland, and they added, uh, let's see, uh, maybe maybe that was the only one. I can't remember who the 11th school was that was in the Big Ten at the time. But those three schools that were added to the Big Ten and the Big Ten became 14. I think it was 11 before, but then it became 14 schools, and that spurred the next wave of realignment in college football because all of a sudden the Big 12 had just lost Nebraska and there were questions about its financial viability because Nebraska was one of the three biggest schools in that conference. And the Pac-12 was looking at a scenario where they could have expanded to 14 teams because the Big 12 was looking like it was in jeopardy of falling apart as a conference. Texas wanted to get in on the regional television contract. And so one of the ideas that were floated during this wave of realignment in the early 2010s was Texas, Oklahoma move to the Pac-12 and ESPN would work with the Pac-12 to create its own Pac-12 network. And ultimately what ended up happening was the Longhorn Network was created by ESPN, which offered the University of Texas an extra $30 million per year in revenue by being the only school in the country that had its own television network. They weren't going to be part of the 
SEC network that was going to be formed uh, starting in 2015. They weren't going to be part of a newly created Pac-12 network that would have been created in partnership with ESPN. And they weren't going to move to the Big Ten to get in on the Big Ten network television revenue, which again was somewhere between $10 million and in the case of Texas, $30 million just for the University of Texas. And they remained in the Big 12. And what the Pac-10 ended up settling on, instead of getting Texas, instead of getting Oklahoma, was they went from 10 to 12 instead of 10 to 14 and basically absorbing the best teams from the Pac, or sorry, from the Big 12, because they would have brought in Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and I can't remember who the last school they would have brought in is. I think it was Colorado was the plan for the last school. They would have absorbed the biggest programs of the Big 12, which would have essentially put the Big 12 as a quote-unquote group of five school with uh, Kansas and Kansas State and Iowa State and uh, some of the Texas schools like Baylor and TCU. But the, the, the Big 12 stayed together because ultimately the Texas Longhorns got their own television network in partnership with ESPN called the Longhorn Network. And Oklahoma ended up staying in the Big 12 on their television contract. And Colorado ended up making the move to the Pac-12. And they ended up, they needed another school to kind of even it out. And so they went to the Mountain West and got Utah. And so the Pac-12 now had Utah and Colorado, in addition to, as we mentioned earlier, the Washington schools, the Oregon schools, the Northern California schools, the Southern California schools, and for the last 15 to 20 years, the Arizona schools, Arizona and Arizona State. Add in Utah, add in Colorado, Pac-10 becomes Pac-12, but they don't have a television contract with ESPN And so the Pac-12 goes out and starts their own television network. They go out and create their own television network called the Pac-12 network, run by themselves, operated by themselves, based out of San Francisco. And the Pac-12 ends up falling behind the curve because the way that the regional television contracts work in terms of revenue generated from the regional television contract is nationally. So, so these channels are pay-per-view. They are like extra cable channels that you have to purchase as like a sports package. And there's a certain price that you pay. If you don't have a team in your region, say it's $39.99 a year. It's $39.99 a year for the ACC network, say for example, but it's $59.99 a year If one of the schools in the conference happens to be in your state. So, for example, in the state of Virginia, you will pay $59.99 for the ACC network because Virginia and Virginia Tech play in the ACC. $59.99 for the ACC network for a year. Meanwhile, if you're in California, you pay $39.99 a year for the ACC network. And vice versa, if you're in a Big Ten state, you pay a certain price for the Big Ten network. If you live in a SEC state, you pay a certain extra price for the SEC network, et cetera, et cetera. And so what became of realignment was schools tried to get as many states on the board as they could. This is what the Big Ten did ahead of the curve when they got Maryland, 
Rutgers, which is New York, New Jersey, and Nebraska, three schools that were all in different states than where the current Big Ten schools resided. Uh, You obviously had Pennsylvania, you had Ohio, you had Michigan, you had Minnesota, you had Wisconsin, you had Iowa, you had Chicago with, uh, or Illinois with Northwestern and with the, uh, well, the Illinois University. Uh, You had Indiana with Indiana and Purdue. So they got three schools from three completely different states because people who wanted to have the Big Ten network would pay that additional price in exchange for, for the Big Ten Network in Nebraska, in Maryland, and in New York, New Jersey with Rutgers. So they got three new states to add to their conference, which is why the Pac-12, when they were forming their network, got Utah and Colorado, and why uh, when the SEC went for expansion, got Texas A&M from the Big 12, they got Missouri from the Big 12, and I forgot what the other school that they added was, um, but... Basically, they went and got, uh, I think that might have been the only two. I think it was just the, because uh, the SEC is 14 teams. So yeah, I guess it was only those two. But the SEC added Texas and added Missouri to their footprint. And because of that, they increased their revenue on what would become the SEC network. The SEC network didn't exist at the time, but they were in the process of creating their own television network. And so... Texas and Missouri go to the SEC, Utah and Colorado go to the Pac-12, the Big Ten adds uh, Rutgers and Maryland and uh, Rutgers, Maryland and Nebraska, and the ACC absorbs all of the former Big East schools. And this Big East conference that existed for a whole bunch of years as a football powerhouse or as a fo- as a basketball powerhouse that then created its own football conference with Miami and adding uh, Louisville and adding a bunch of other schools into the Big East that were football powerhouses. Now the Big East just doesn't exist anymore. Uh, UConn ends up going to the AAC and the AAC gets formed with the like rejected Big East schools that weren't wanted by the ACC, but the ACC absorbs Syracuse and Boston College and Miami and uh, Louisville and all these schools that used to be in the former Big East. Go to the ACC. College football realignment, you have a Power Five. The Big 12 still exists because Texas and Oklahoma stayed in the conference. Well, really, Texas, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State all stayed in the conference. The Pac-12, the Big 12 still exists as we know it. The Pac-12 expands twofold. The SEC expands twofold. The ACC expands four to six teams, but one of them goes to the Big 10 in Maryland and Rutgers and Nebraska and all that stuff. So... That's the that's the expansion we know of college football. That's what creates the quote unquote power five conferences. And then in the next uh, then the SEC network gets created and then the uh, Big Ten, the Big Ten network already existed. The Pac-12 network is going to go independent. The ACC network is created with ESPN. And when the ACC network negotiates their television contract, it's an 18 year contract that runs through 2036. Because the conference wanted security, the conference was on shaky ground prior to the expansion, and Florida State and Clemson became those schools that were kind of propping up the ACC, and the ACC wanted security, and they decided to create, they decided to sign an 18-year television contract with ESPN, and the Pac-12 didn't get that security because they didn't get really any television contract. They were just running their own operation out of San Francisco. And it was kind of just a rinky dink operation for the PAC 12 network. And the other problem they had is that the PAC 12 only had a blueprint 
in six states as compared to the Big Ten that now had 10 different states, the ACC that now had 11 different states, and the SEC, which had, I believe, 10 different states at the time. Uh, Let's see, Texas, Missouri, Georgia. um, And and by the way, a whole lot of people in other regions of the country just straight up weren't buying the Pac-12 network because it wasn't part of any cable package and they weren't able to negotiate it into like a bundle between the SEC network, the Big Ten network, and the ACC network. The Pac-12 network just didn't get included in parts of the country, and so they weren't getting that revenue from other states. And so the Pac-12 fell behind the other. Um, the Pac-12 fell behind and became kind of this like fourth or fifth conference. In addition to the fact that the Pac-12 was shit at football for a decade. Because what happened in the 2000s with the rise of USC is around the the late 2000s and 2010s, you have this rise of Oregon becoming a football powerhouse because Oregon has this Phil Knight money from Nike and Nike is just pouring money into the Oregon program. Nike, which again is a 20, I think Phil Knight is worth $25 billion. Phil Knight just starts pouring money into the Oregon football program and Oregon basketball program. And then they finally make a good hire in hiring Chip Kelly as an innovative offensive coach, they make it to the national championship game in 2010, and then they make the national championship game again with Marcus Mariota in 2014. And now Oregon is this respectable West Coast football program. Meanwhile, USC, the only major school in the in the Pac-12 or the Pac-10 during the 2000s, USC gets broken apart because of the Reggie Bush scandal and because of the NCAA violations that were all bullshit at the end of the day, but USC goes under sanctions. It blows up what they had. They they make a few really bad hires in athletic departments. They had three really bad athletic director hires in a row. The guy who replaced the athletic director who got fired because of the Reggie Bush scandals and... Then they hired Lynn Swan with no qualifications to be an athletic director, and he ran the USC athletic department horribly. And then they hired Mike Bone, the guy who just got fired for for racism and sexual harassment within the USC athletic department. Someone who, when the pandemic happened, just lived in Colorado and was never really around the facility. Uh, Mike Bone ended up getting fired. The president of USC ended up resigning. And there's just been mismanagement up and down the USC university and athletic department for a decade. Uh, They hired Steve Sarkeesian, who ended up having to resign in the middle of a season because he was uh, he had a belligerent drunken rant at a meeting he showed up to work drunk had to go into alcohol rehabilitation and ended up resigning from the job in the middle of the season they hired lane kiffin and fired lane kiffin uh clay helton took them to a couple rose bowls but was just kind of a an interim coach that they kept around for six years never really making usc a national powerhouse and for the last eight years The Pac-12 sucked at football. Like, their television contract was fourth or fifth, depending on how you viewed the conference. But the Pac-12 television deal ultimately wasn't going to be renewed because the play was so bad in the conference. Since 2014, which is when Marcus Mariota left Oregon, there have been eight seasons played in college football. The Pac-12 
has as many teams that made it to the college football playoff as the University of Cincinnati in the AAC. The AAC had one, the Pac-12 had one in the last eight years of its existence. So the Pac-12, while you could argue was still the fourth biggest conference in college football behind the behind the SEC and the Big Ten and the ACC in terms of revenue and in terms of football production, the conference was putting out really shitty football. And look, you had the Christian McCaffrey-Stanford teams that made it to the Rose Bowl and won a couple Rose Bowls and were top five in the country at times. You had the Oregon team with Marcus Mariota who made the playoff. Like I understand that part of it in the first year. The last eight years of the Pac-12, they put... One team in the college football playoff. One. It was 2016 Washington, who, by the way, lost 24-7 to against Alabama. And by the way, Cincinnati, the one AAC team that made the college football playoff, they lost to Alabama as a number four seed. Washington lost as a number four seed. UCF the school that went undefeated two consecutive seasons in a row and didn't make the college football playoff probably should have made it one of those years to the college football playoff. So UCF and Cincinnati represented top-end college football success even better than the Pac-12. So the Pac-12 was shit for eight years. Like, just mediocre. All the teams beat each other up. The product wasn't very good, and they had a problem with the games being played at 10 o'clock on the East Coast. So the people who were buying ESPN and Fox Sports weren't staying up to watch them. So the television ratings declined. The product got worse. USC and Oregon were the two schools getting the top recruits, but neither were good enough to be national powerhouses or even make the college football playoff. Uh, Like I said, one year Washington made it as a four seed and got bounced out immediately, but one playoff spot in eight years from the Pac-12. And so the Pac-12, for a decade, puts together shitty football, has the fourth largest television contract, and is like the fifth or sixth best conference in terms of actual football production because they don't have a Clemson, they don't have an Oklahoma, they're just not a nationally, they don't even have a Cincinnati, so they're just not even a nationally relevant football conference. And then we get to 2021 when there's talk about... uh, expansion and realignment because the Big 12 lost Texas and Oklahoma. Texas and Oklahoma left the Big 12 to go to the SEC, essentially damning any future television contract the Big 12 was going to negotiate to be less than those two conferences. The SEC and the Big 10 were guaranteed to have bigger TV contracts than the Big 12. And after Texas and Oklahoma left, the ACC the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 created this alliance between the three conferences that said they weren't going to pursue other teams within the alliance. And it wasn't a written contract. It was a agreement among gentlemen, as I believe there's a former quote of the ACC commissioner saying, Agreement among gentlemen that they would not poach teams from each other's conferences. And then the alliance fell apart. And then USC and UCLA, in the dark of the night, negotiated their way out of the Pac-12 into the Big Ten, which then put the Big 12 and the Pac-12 on shaky ground in terms of continuing to exist. 
And the thing that was going to decide whether those conferences would continue to exist was how they would negotiate their next television contract. Because the Pac-12 network was essentially flopping. It wasn't generating revenue. In addition to the fact, and this is a wild-ass story, in addition to the fact that the Pac-12 network had a deal in which they accidentally received $5 million extra dollars from Comcast on their Pac-12 network deal. They noticed this was the case, didn't make the correction to pay Comcast the $5 million back, and then when Comcast was audited two years ago, they discovered, hey, we accidentally gave you $5 million too much, please pay us back that $5 million. Problem was, the Pac-12 had already spent that $5 million and distributed it to each of the 12 schools in exchange. And that's about $400,000 each. So on the next year's television, uh, the next year's payouts for the member schools, they were going to lose $400,000, which for a school like Washington state, who only gets about three to $4 million payouts from the PAC 12, that's like 10% of their athletic department budget. And so Washington state needed some clarification on what the hell was happening. And as all of that was going on, USC and UCLA were like, fuck this. We are done with dealing with this bullshit. We're just going to go take the security blanket of $50 million per year from the Big Ten. And the school that especially needed that was UCLA because according to the LA Times, UCLA was $100 million in debt in their athletic department prior to making the move to the Big Ten. They were talking about cutting half of the sports that the school had because they just were essentially bankrupt. Which, by the way, do you know how fucking hard it is for an athletic department to go bankrupt in college sports? You have to be like a royal fuck-up. Even through a pandemic when revenues went down, you have to be a royal fuck-up to have near-bankruptcy in your athletic department. But UCLA was almost bankrupt and they needed that extra revenue coming in from the big 10 in order to keep their athletic department from having to cut sports and cut back budget. So UCLA got a bailout from USC who had had enough of the PAC 12's bullshit had had enough of the PAC 12 network being a flop, had enough of their television contract, not being secure beyond 2024. They took the parachute and they jumped to the big 10, which had just, negotiated a $7 billion television contract with CBS, NBC, and Fox for the next nine years. And so if you add it all up, it's about $800 million per year. Divide that by 16. It's about $50 million per school per year getting paid out. The numbers might actually be a little bit higher just because of the Big Ten network revenue, but just from the television contract itself, $50 million paid out to each member school. USC and UCLA took this, the parachute, and then that left, for a year, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 in limbo. Because the ACC had their 18-year television contract locked in. Florida State and Clemson, who are pissed the fuck off about not being able to jump conferences, they can't leave the ACC without some really good lawyers. So the Big 12 and 12 are in flux. 
Big 12 getting ready to negotiate a new television contract. What they do is they take the eight teams that are left, because they had 10, Texas and Oklahoma leave, they're at eight. They take those eight schools, and then they add four more. And they strategically get four schools from four completely different states. BYU from Utah, UCF from Florida, Cincinnati from Ohio, and Houston, well, Houston wasn't, uh, Houston was Texas, but still, they ended up bringing Houston back into the Big 12. And the Big 12 negotiates a television contract with those 12 teams in the fold with ESPN. The Pac-12 tries to negotiate a television contract, and they learn very quickly, nobody is interested. Not ESPN, not Fox, not even the CW. The Pac-12 tried to go to streaming with Apple TV+, and their eight schools couldn't get a television contract worth a damn, especially when the Big 12 was offering $25 million per year on their new television contract with 12 teams already in the fold. And so Arizona, Arizona State, those schools are deciding, do we stick with the Big 12 money? Or sorry, do we stick with the Pac-12 money? Do we take the Big 12 money that's a little bit more secure? Or do we try and negotiate a television contract to keep the Pac-12 intact? Meanwhile, while all this is going on, the Big 10, who just murdered the Pac-12 by taking USC and UCLA, they're trying to get Oregon and Washington to join their conference because, again, regional television contract, you know what states the Big 10 adds? They went from having 10 states with their 14-member school to now 13 states. Add Washington, add Oregon, add California. That's an extra $20 per person on your pack to, on your Big Ten network, which is going to generate a whole bunch of money. And then remember what we talked about earlier with Oregon. They've got all this influx of cash from the Nike money, and Oregon had essentially gotten as close as you can get to USC and their private school money and dedication to football and rich history. Within a span of 15 years, Oregon had essentially caught USC in terms of the recruiting advantage on the West Coast. And by the way, one of the things USC was thinking about when they left the conference was, hey, it's going to be better that Oregon is going to waste away in the Pac-12 while we go to the Big Ten, have more money, which will lead to more money we can backdoor pay the players in NIL, but also money we can just invest into whatever the hell we want in the program. And so they were thinking there would be a recruiting advantage to be in the Big Ten. Meanwhile, Oregon is now in the Big Ten with USC and Washington with the Big Ten sniffing around trying to get them in. Again, Washington, respectable program, middle of the pack in the pack tw- in the Big Ten, but a school that is valuable to the Mountain West, or sorry, valuable to the Pac-12 now without having USC or UCLA. And so the Pac-12 is negotiating a television contract with Apple. No one's really interested in the product. And Arizona made the call. On Thursday night, after there had been this whole meeting with the Pac-12 talking about what the television contract would look like, how many teams would be in the conference going forward if they invited, say, a Boise or a San Diego State or someone from another conference, 
what the Pac-12 television contract would look like and whether the eight schools were interested. And then Arizona went home and they decided, no, thank you. We'll take the $25 million security blanket from the Big 12 going forward. And so Arizona made the jump to the Big 12. Oregon and Washington got on some conference calls. They decided that if Arizona's leaving, and by the way, at this point, Colorado has already left the conference, but the Pac-12 was like, ah, who gives a shit if Colorado's leaving? We're fine. We don't give a shit if Colorado leaves. Colorado's already taken the security blanket from the Big 12. Before the Pac-12 has even proposed their television contract to the schools, Colorado's already made the call, we're going to take the $25 million security blanket from the Big 12. And Arizona made the call after the meeting that they were going to take the security blanket from the Big 12. And then the... Oregon-Washington tandem got on the phone with the Big Ten and said, we're coming because the Pac-12 isn't going to be able to put on a television package that's quite worth it, so we're on our way. And then Arizona State and Utah were left with only one choice left, which was instead of staying in a conference that has six teams, we're going to take the invite from the Big 12 And we're going to take our $25 million safety blanket. Maybe we'll move again. Maybe we'll stick with the Big 12. But for the time being, we're just going to take our safety blanket and walk away. So Utah jumped to the Big 12, which by the way, because it's now 16 teams, that $25 million is closer to like $19 million. But it's still more than what the Pac-12 would have been able to offer once they lost Arizona, Colorado, Washington, and Oregon within the last week. And that is the end of the Pac-12 as we know it. Is USC and UCLA leaving in the cover of night last year to go to the Big Ten? The Pac-12 being unable to negotiate a television contract while also having to repay $5 million to Comcast? The Pac-12 lost Colorado to the safety blanket of the Big 12, which had two years to prepare for this moment which I think is the reason why the Big 12 still exists and why the Pac-12 won't. Texas and Oklahoma left in 2021 or were planning to leave in 2021 from the Big 12 to the SEC. USC and UCLA left in 2022, one year later, to the day, by the way, to the day that Texas and Oklahoma left the SEC. The Big 10 swiped USC and UCLA. And then a year after that, the Big 12 had enough time after two years to invite UCF, invite Houston, invite Cincinnati, invite BYU into their conference, create 12 teams, and then negotiate a $300 million per year television contract with ESPN, which by the way is significantly less than the television contract with the Big 10 and with the SEC, which is closer to a billion dollars per year. The Big Ten also the Big Twelve also has fewer schools and has less prestige because the schools that were propping up the conference had left. But the Big Twelve pivoted to add eight new teams to create a conference of sixteen that will essentially operate as a middle class to college football, 
They won't be able to compete with the Big Ten. They won't be able to compete with the SEC. But they'll be able to compete with the ACC. And they'll be able to potentially compete with any other mid-majors who try and get into the same game. But they essentially added a middle-class third and fourth conference. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 ceases to exist. And the schools that are left, Cal, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State, they're going to be mid-majors for the first time in their school's histories. They are going to be mid-major teams. Group of five, whatever you want to call it, those schools miss out on the end of the college football realignment period. And it ends with the Pac-12 dissolving as we know it, all within a span. I mean, it was really a span of 10 years of crappy football, mismanagement, and bad television contracts. But within the span of 48 hours, the Pac-12 goes from a conference on the brink of collapse to an actual collapse. And now there are a middle class of ACC teams a middle class of Big 12 teams that will act as support systems for and and financially will be supported as a middle class version of college football behind what is now going to be the Big 10 billion dollar television contract with 60 million dollar payouts to each of their member schools and the SEC with a billion dollar contract and 60 million dollar payouts to their member schools The Big 12 thrives in a new form. The ACC continues to sit it out because they have this giant television contract that is hamstringing their teams because they can't legally get out of the contract. And the Pac-12, the conference that we have made fun of for four years on this podcast for being absolutely terrible at football, the Pac-12 no longer exists. Four teams go to the Big Ten, four teams go to the Big 12, four teams fade into mid-major mediocrity, and the Pac-12 conference as we know it is dead. Long live the Pac-12 conference. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We've got episodes every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday here on the show. We've got a couple great shows coming at you this week. We're going to talk about Trey Lance and the 49ers coming up on Wednesday, unless Damian Lillard gets traded or some big transaction happens in the world of sports. But in the meantime, thank you for stopping in. Hope you learned something new about how we got to this place at the end of the Pac-12 We thank you for your support. We thank you for listening to the show. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. And in the meantime, take it easy. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM.